electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Wall Street's and Reddit's favorite tech stock picker, Kathy Wood. Right now, we believe that innovation, truly disruptive innovation, is priced in the global marketplace, public markets, at roughly somewhere between 10 and $15 trillion. In 10 years, we believe that number will be $200 trillion. We are on the threshold of the most innovative period in history. Zoom, Tesla, the vaccine mandate at Google, and the rest of the stories that got us squawking, like space on the big screen. I don't know if I should give away the, the plot or not. It's a comet that's big, and it's coming at the planet. And it's hilarious. Plus, turkeys on the menu, Thanksgiving cooking tips, and leftover tricks from the Butterball Turkey Talk line. The turkey waffle sandwich. You take a waffle made of stuffing, and you fill it with everything you see with you have leftover. There's some green beans, turkey in there. There's cranberries, sweet potato, and it's just a fantastic. Everybody that's tried it loves it. It's Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving Eve. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe is off today. Let's talk about the gap because uh, the common theme this morning, retail shares a gap down sharply. Earnings falling well short of estimates and the apparel retailer also cutting its full year forecast. The gap has been hit by higher costs for shipping as well as extended factory closures in Vietnam, where it sources about 30 percent of its products. And we're seeing this story now play out across the board because Nordstrom is also getting hit hard this morning. Take a look at this. Earnings missing Wall Street consensus. The retailer was hurt by rising labor costs and inventory issues. Nordstrom said inventories were especially short in women's apparel and shoes, where demand rebounded more strongly than it had expected. You know, the the big question, I think, is, is this a supply chain issue? Is this a, a, a problem where you just don't have enough of the, the things that people want? Or is this a, po- a problem where you just don't have enough of the people in the stores to come through with some of these issues? It sounds like, at least from the calls, that this, this was a situation where they just couldn't get enough to supply the demand. But there right. have been so many questions about whether people will go back to the malls, whether they'll go back to those habits after kind of changing them drastically when the malls were forced to close down. Well, this goes to the whole idea of whether Omnichannel is, you know, for, for, for the folks who've been spending their time as a, as a store, as a physical retailer, and I know they have a lot of e-commerce, but on a relative basis, it's just so very different. Uh, it does look like a supply chain issue, but it also probably, I think, to some extent, and I don't know if they want to acknowledge it, is the, con- the, the shift in how we as consumers are all behaving. Gap yeah. has been a complicated story for a very long time. Nordstrom's, to me, is a little bit of a different one, but I don't know. Nordstrom did say that their, I mean, their sales are below pre-pandemic at this point. And again, I don't, I don't know exactly where the shortfall is with that. It's different, though, than what we've seen from, from Macy's and from Kohl's. So it's not like you can write off the malls in general or the strip centers in general. There are definite, definite winners and losers, those who are better, to, better able to better manage some of these issues, too. But check that out. Nordstrom shares down 27 percent. That is a hit. 
Elon Musk has unloaded more shares of Tesla. According to a securities filing that was made yesterday, Musk sold another $1 billion of the automaker's stock. The sale was part of a prearranged plan to exercise expiring management stock options. Musk has sold nearly $10 billion worth of Tesla stock since tweeting that poll about unloading 10 percent of his shares. And that just happened earlier this month. Right now, Tesla shares off by about one and a third percent. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity to talk to Kathy Wood, who's, of course, been a huge Tesla bull about those share sales by Elon Musk. Meantime, by the way, she's been selling as well. Um, I believe she would tell you, though, she was selling in part because of the size and scope of just how much they had relative to the rest of the fund. But uh, we will d dig into all of that with her in just a little bit. You know what interested me, and I can't wait to hear this from her, too, when she said Rivian was overpriced. You know, right. she's kind of been the person who will defend things that are hard to defend. But when she yep. said Rivian was overpriced, that made people sit up and pay attention. I'd like to hear her thoughts on that. It's too. all relative you know. of sorts. We'll see. Making some headlines, several hundred Google employees have signed a manifesto opposing the company's COVID vaccine mandate. Now, the, the document is asking the tech giant to retract the mandate and create a new one that is, quote, inclusive of all Googlers. Google has asked its more than 150,000 employees to upload their vaccine status to an internal system by December 3rd, whether they plan to return to the office or not. Now, Google has also said that all employees who work directly or indirectly with government contracts must be vaccinated, even if they are working from home. And Becky, I spoke to a CEO yesterday about this issue, and I, they dug into it in a way I'd never heard before, because they're dealing with, should we, should we vaccinate mandate? Do we do testing for those who don't want to take the vaccine? What do we do? And the CEO was saying that and he originally wanted to do testing, wanted to make it available to, so that anyone could do with whatever they wanted. But he said the cost is actually astronomical. For the testing itself. the cost itself. of running the testing program, even if you were to try, it's unclear whether legally you could force the cost necessarily onto the employee, right. which is one I, idea. I think you, I think you but can't the other, and, uh, under most OSHA regu regulations. But the, but the, the other thing was, even if you do that, especially for hourly workers, you have to pay them for the time it takes to go get tested. So, the, the, and, and effectively what he was saying was, we're trying to solve for basically 15% of our population that basically we think is doing the wrong thing to begin with. And so why are we gonna pay for that? It, it was a fascinating conversation to sort of understand the actual dynamics of whether you do it or not and how you, how you set it up. So well, I, I think, think you're gonna see a lot more companies sort of force the issue simply actually maybe now as a function of cost. Well, I, I think the testing costs, from what I've heard, like a, a hundred bucks a pop every time you're doing it. If you're testing once a week, if you're testing more frequently than that, I know some companies where they're testing two or three times a week for people. I mean, that adds up pretty quickly. And right. I, I can understand doing it all through the pandemic when there weren't other options, when there weren't vaccines, when there weren't some of the potential um, curative methods that we've seen to this point. But it, it's a huge question and it's a dynamic question. And it's one that's changing, you know, almost on a weekly basis, I think, in terms of how people anticipate what they but question. The, the other thing that he said to me was he said, look, if you're trying to first of all, you're trying to protect you. What you're really trying to do is solve for the 85 percent of the people who actually want to come to the office, are vaccinated and want to feel safe while they're there. Right. And so testing once a week may not even solve that problem. Right. Because it's not going to, from a psychological perspective, if you're trying to just make people feel comfortable that everything's good to go. It, it, was, it was very interesting to, to sort of 
get into the machinations of what's going on inside the boardroom right now. Well, and by the way, because of privacy issues and because nobody wants to say who's done what, even if somebody tests positive, you're not necessarily going to know about it. So, you know, first of all, it's not going to prevent it necessarily. If you've been exposed to the person, you're not going to find out until after the fact. But most of the time, people don't even find out in these situations. You don't know who tests positive and who doesn't. Um, if you're a worker who's supposed to feel comfortable in these scenarios. There was history made overnight. NASA sent a first-of-its-kind test mission to space with the goal of trying to deflect an asteroid. This was the DART mission spacecraft. It blasted off on a SpaceX rocket from Vandenberg Space Force Base in California. It's headed for an asteroid in an attempt to try and redirect the asteroid's motion in space. This mission still has a long way to go. NASA says that the spacecraft will smash into the asteroid at 15,000 miles an hour, but it's not going to happen until next fall. But, Andrew, this obviously brings up that movie Armageddon where they were trying to save the planet. This time, thankfully, it's an unmanned mission. This is going to be the, ro the rocket just blasting into it themselves. Um, but this is our way. They, they're, they're, the way they've laid this out is this is the only natural disaster we can try and stop. So maybe we get some practice on it so that if there ever is an asteroid that looks like it's hurtling towards Earth, we can figure out if we can stop it and move it off course. So I just saw a screening. I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this. I just saw a screening of a movie that is coming up. It's an Adam McKay movie in about two weeks on Netflix called Don't Look Up. It's starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Ooh. And it is basically about this. But in a way, it's a metaphor for what may happen to the planet with climate. We can get into it later. But it's, I have to say it's probably the best thing I've seen. But it's an asteroid? You know, in a really long, not an asteroid, but I don't want to give away the, I don't know if I should give away the, the plot or not. Because if it's, it's an it's asteroid, that's Armageddon. It's a comet. Okay. That's big. And it's coming at the, it's coming at the planet. And it's hilarious. So it's Liv um, Tyler and Ben Affleck all over again? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's an Adam McKay sort of romp of a thing. Meryl Streep is in, it's just, it, it's sort of a, it, it's a mockery of, Everything of our whole life in so many ways. And it's a lot of things to mock right now. So. Kind of hilarious. Still to come on Squawk Pod and Kathy, Kathy Bay, the investing world's favorite tech stock picker, ARK Invest's Kathy Wood. ARK already is a volatile strategy. And that is why we say, keep your eye on the prize. Five years, the world will look nothing like it looks today. And we're invested in all of the disruptors, the winners that are going to disrupt the traditional world order. Where she's placing her bets right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. 
absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. High-flying tech stocks under pressure this week. The Nasdaq composite falling for the second straight day as rates continue to rise in the wake of Jay Powell's renomination. Move also weighing on investor Kathy Wood's flagship ARK ETF, which is down more than 10% over one week. Joining us right now in an exclusive interview is ARK Invest CIO and CEO Kathy Wood. Kathy, it's great to see you. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, it's, it's been a little bit of a, a less of a, a happy holiday season, I imagine, uh, for, for your fund, but also across the board uh, when you look at what's happening uh, with some of these high flyers. And I'm, I'm curious sort of how you're seeing the market right now. Yeah, uh, you know, it's actually feeling a little bit like it did during the coronavirus when we were beating the drum saying innovation solves problems, innovation solves problems. And uh, that turned out to be a good call. We have a lot of problems still uh, uh, from the coronavirus, supply chain problems, labor shortages, and so forth. Innovation is helping to solve those problems. Uh, But I'd also like to focus on something uh, um, going on in the macro world that I don't think people have picked up on. I think we're getting it now, though, with uh, Nordstrom and Gap. Uh, In the third quarter, real GDP growth was up 2%. All of that increase was in inventories. Real final sales actually were down a bit. And now, listening to Nordstrom last night, uh, their sales are down if you compare to this time in 2019, but their inventories are up 13%. Gap, same thing. Sales are down. Uh, Again, we're comparing to third quarter 19. And now they're saying inventories are going to be up 7 to 8% in the fourth quarter. So I think we are experiencing the beginnings of an inventory problem here. Of an inventory problem. Um, I want to talk to you about a couple of stocks, though. Uh, one is Zoom. You have been loading up on Zoom as the stock has continued to fall. Why? Yes. Uh, we believe that for the first time in decades uh, that the communication system of the world is going to be replaced. Innovation solves problems. Uh, Many people think of Zoom simply as a video uh, chat uh, service. It is not. It is becoming a unified communication system. And uh, the the old ones, I guess the old ones, Cisco and Polycom uh, would be among them, they're going to be ripped out because in the new hybrid world, uh, we can't have the latency uh, problems and the performance problems that they have. I, I know that I feel when I'm going to be on a, a call, a video call, I'm relieved that it's Zoom because I know it's going to work. Uh, many others don't. So the communications uh, part of the tech stack is the largest. It's $1.5 trillion globally. Uh, Zoom is a $4 billion revenue company right now. Uh, so we think it has miles to go. And one other thing, last year, Zoom sales uh, in this court, this past quarter uh, were up about 360% as we were in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, This year, expectations for the fourth quarter uh, against the toughest compare last year are up 19 percent, their own guidance. And that is a seasonally weak quarter for them. 
So uh, I, I am fairly amazed that they are showing increases at all on top of that 360% uh, burst. So uh, I don't know what other analysts are thinking, but I think this is one of the most uh, important communications companies to come along in many decades. Yeah, I agree with you just in terms of how easy Zoom is to use. I know that it's, it's worked its way into my life um, and, and I don't see going back without it, but I'll also admit, I don't pay for it. I'm a consumer who uses it for free most of the time. And big companies, it seems to me, are still using things like Microsoft Teams and Cisco. Um, is there enough for all of these companies to kind of win and, and still make gains? Or are you convinced that they're going to win at the expense of companies like Cisco, like you mentioned? And do you make any bets that way, too? Do you go long Zoom and short Cisco or any others? Yeah, well, we um, we aren't uh, we're long only uh, at least at the moment, and uh, yes, we do think it's at at the expense of the old telecom uh, equipment companies. And as I mentioned, this is a one point five trillion dollar category, and we haven't ripped and replaced for. 20, 30 years. Uh, this is a very uh, big replacement cycle, and we are at the very beginning of it. Hey, Kathy, real quick, just because you said at the moment you're long only. Do you have any any plans or thoughts about uh, about adding short positions uh, to some one or more versions of your funds? Well, we have uh, we have internally for employees only. We're we're testing out uh, a portfolio, uh, but it's really arc on steroids, if you can believe that. Uh, we don't think the, the we want to test it out on ourselves first and make sure that uh, you know everybody keeps their eye on that five year investment time horizon uh, as uh, which is our time horizon and uh, and doesn't pay attention to the day to day because. What we would be doing is shorting stocks that are in the big benchmarks. And when we get into a risk-off situation, what happens is portfolio managers and analysts generally run back to those stocks, get closer to their benchmarks, and they dump our stocks, which are either small parts of benchmarks or not in benchmarks. Great opportunity for us, as we have experienced during these last few days, to pick up on those stocks because it's simply a, a risk-off move to get closer to benchmarks. And by the way, we think the benchmarks are where the big risks are longer term because they are filling up with value traps. Those companies that have done very well historically, but are going to be disintermediated and disrupted by the massive amount of innovation that's taking place. Just to give you one number there. Right now, we believe that innovation, truly disruptive innovation, is priced in the global marketplace, uh, public markets, at roughly uh, somewhere between 10 and $15 trillion. Uh, in 10 years, we believe that number will be $200 trillion. So it will go from a little more than 10% of global equity market caps uh, to what we believe could be more than half. That's how much disruption is evolving thanks to DNA sequencing, robotics, energy storage, artificial intelligence, and blockchain technology, all of which are converging, converging so that S-curves will be feeding S-curves. We are on the threshold of the most innovative period 
in history, bar none. Uh, you have to go back to early 1900s, telephone, electricity, uh, and automobile to see anything like it. Kathy, you just mentioned that, that this new thing you're testing in-house, the, the idea of doing shorts, too, would be like ARC on steroids. And I kind of already think of ARC as being on steroids. If, if you were to do this, you would potentially see some super big wins if you were right both on the long and the short. But uh, if the thesis didn't work out, it, it, it seems like it could double the losses, too. As you mentioned, people run away from the stocks that you guys like and go back to the benchmarks. If, if the companies did that again and, and you saw that, it could be you're you know, going against you on both sides of it. Is that why you're testing it out in-house? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, this five-year investment time horizon is critical. The next five to 10 years, we think, are going to be spectacular. Uh, will there be volatility? As you say, uh, uh, ARC already is a volatile strategy. Uh, and that is why we say, keep your eye on the prize. Five years, the world will look nothing like it looks today. And we're invested in all of the disruptors, the winners that are going to disrupt the traditional world order. Kathy, I want to ask you about uh, a stock that's obviously uh, one, one of your biggest holdings, but also something that everybody focuses on. It, it, I'm not going to talk about something five years. Out. I'm going to talk about something that's uh, 24 hours ago, in fact, which is that Elon Musk continues to sell shares uh, in Tesla. And I'm curious what you think of, of that uh, and what you think of that position. I know that you had sold some shares earlier. Where are you on Tesla? Yeah, uh, well, you know, most of his net worth, uh, or more than all of his net worth, given the debt uh, that he has probably, is in Tesla and SpaceX. Uh, I would bet that uh, any financial advisor would say, you have got to diversify. Now, he went through a near-death experience in 08. He knows uh, that things can go wrong. And so he, uh, and he also has big tax bills. So understand it, take profits. There's nothing wrong with taking profits. He's still, he still is one of the biggest shareholders of the company. He is what did you think of the Twitter poll? The Twitter poll on whether yeah. he should sell? Yeah, I found it interesting that uh, the, the answer was on balance, yes. Everybody understands this uh, notion of diversification, diversification, diversification. Having gone through 08, 09, I think that was the biggest lesson learned. And the fact that he didn't diversify uh, for such a long time was really taking a big, big personal risk. Have you followed this this battle? It appears to be between Elon Musk and Jamie Dimon, J.P. Morgan, effectively suing Tesla uh, over uh, over payments that they say they are due. You taking sides in that? I'm not taking sides because I haven't read through the legal uh, documents. Uh, sure, it's a bit, I think it's something like 130 or 160 million dollars, which. Um, uh, if if this were to go to court and Tesla were to lose, it, it would be a chunk of change. But, uh, you know, they have so much cash on their balance sheet right now, unlike two years ago, uh, that uh, this would be a one time uh, one time uh, write off. And that would be it. So we tend not to pay too much attention to the very short term. Um, I don't know if you heard uh, Becky and I talking in the six o'clock hour. I don't know. Maybe Becky wants to ask the question, but we were talking about Rivian and Lucid and so many of the other uh, the other stocks and how you think about them relative to a Tesla. Yes, uh, whenever and we've met with both, uh, and uh, obviously we we uh, think they are validating the movement towards uh, electric vehicles, which is moving into um, moving into an accelerated rate now. So, um, and and we like their vehicles. 
What they are not doing to the best of our knowledge is going after the autonomous opportunity. We think transportation is going autonomous uh, and that it will be electric at the same time, but uh, the robo taxis effectively are going to be commoditized vehicles, You know, just getting people from point A to point B as quickly and safely as possible. Uh, that's why you see Tesla, you know, with its uh, car lineup, uh, you know, it, it really doesn't look like the Tesla has changed that much from a, a design. It has from a technology point of view, but not so much from a design point of view. Uh, and I think uh, uh, Elon and team are getting ready for this robo taxi world. Hey, Kathy, I love your optimism and your ability to kind of look down the road and look at innovation and see these things. But Part of the reason that there has been so much innovation, part of the reason there are all these new companies that are out there is because there's just so much liquidity at this point. Um, innovation happens in, in, in fits and spurts. It doesn't always march straight ahead because there are all sorts of other external factors that can get in the way. And I, I just wonder what you worry about. What could happen that could either shut down some of that innovation or put it off or just mean that even if they're innovating, the market's not going to appreciate it anyway because there are other problems that happen, a recession, something like that. Would that kind of blow up your, your, your trading strategy? Even if the companies are innovating, they may not be rewarded in the market. Uh, trouble, troubled times actually accelerates innovation. We can see all the problems we have right now with the supply chain, uh, which we think are unwinding, but uh, uh, with labor shortages, uh, with foreign exchange, uh, foreign exchange volatility, uh, that will push people more towards crypto longer term, we believe, uh, which itself is, is volatile, but it's a rules-based monetary policy. So we think troubled times uh, uh, actually accelerate innovation. So we, that we were beating that drum last year. It certainly worked out. Uh, we're beating the drum again because we still have a lot of problems. And and, and here's, here's how our strategy would be hurt. It would be the strategy, not what's going on with innovation. Uh, uh, it is, inf if we were to go into a major inflationary uh, spiral and interest rates went up dramatically as well, then higher multiple stocks uh, would be hurt and long duration stocks, innovation stocks would be especially hurt because again, you need to have this five to 10 year time horizon. So this inflation call, and we think inflation, we're moving into a deflationary environment, not an inflationary environment. This inflation call is a very important call. And we've been watching inventories. Uh, and I think this is the beginning of the cyclical um, this the cyclical correction that we're going to see in inventories and in commodity prices. We're already seeing iron ore down more than 50%. The Baltic freight index is down more than 50%. Uh, but many people are still focused on oil, uh, which uh, because of supply issues more than demand issues, uh, has been very strong against our expectations. But there are prices that are cracking out there, uh, and we think it's going to become more broad-based during the next three to six months. Meaning you don't think the Fed is going to have to move more quickly, um, so maybe it doesn't cut off the liquidity supply as quickly. Just going back to it, though, troubled times may increase innovation, but it, it doesn't mean that that innovation is going to be rewarded by the market. That wasn't the case during the pandemic. We certainly saw it pay off in a big way. But if you went back to, let's say, 2008, 2009, it wouldn't have necessarily led to the same thing because the end is what happens to the markets, how much money there is to, to kind of finance this stuff. Sure. What you find with our strategy is during a time like 08, 09, we got hit harder in the early stages. 
but we bottomed out in a relative from a relative performance point of view in November of 08 and the market continued to decline uh, through March uh, or into March of 09. Uh, what was happening then was the new leadership, uh, which is an old time saying, the old, new leadership shows up in the later stage of a bear market. Uh, so that's, that's typically what happens to us. Hey, Kathy, two other quick questions. Wanted to ask you about, um, you were, I wanted to go back to Tesla for a second, but really not Tesla, but uh, autonomous cars. There have been reports that Apple may introduce an autonomous vehicle uh, starting in 2025. Curious w- whether you think that that is a good bet and an easy bet to make now, also given where they are as a stock. Yeah, um, well, they've had a, a lot of management turnover. We've been watching Apple very carefully for years now because what is an autonomous vehicle? It's, an, it's the ultimate mobile device. This should have been Apple's market. Apple should have bought Tesla, actually, when they were given the opportunity. This is very hard work. And with all the management turnover, um, we'd be surprised if, they, if they're able to pull it off that quickly. Um, we've seen how, uh, how difficult, I mean, Elon's the first to say, this is really hard. Uh, and we're in the business of manufacturing factories. Well, uh, Tesla is vertically integrated, which is really important uh, when it comes to uh, robo-taxis. Artificial intelligence demands, at least in the early stages, vertical integration. And I don't know if uh, outsourcing to another firm will work for Apple in this case. What do you make of the price action separately on Bitcoin? Uh, we're now in a, sitting in the, in the 5,600 uh, dollar range, um, obviously is come off of the ties. Are you buying more? Uh, well, we, we have been, uh, a, a net buyer, uh, and we pick our spots, uh, uh, over time. We pick our spots. We do not buy on spikes. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the things that we're wondering if we're right on, uh, deflation as opposed to inflation, there are many people who hold, uh, Bitcoin as an inflation hedge. Now, we think uh, that it's still a, 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 an important asset class, new monetary system, watch what's going on in El Salvador. But there may be some people who sell at the margin because uh, if we're right, inflation is coming down, less of a worry. Um, however, we think longer term, it is as important an asset uh, to protect against counter counterparty risk in the in the case of an 0809 uh, type of meltdown it is also a very important asset class uh, to protect against confiscation of wealth other than inflation you know in other countries there are corrupt re- regimes and, and so uh, we, we believe there is going to be a very important place for bitcoin as uh, a rules-based global private uh, monetary system uh, the likes of which we've never seen but in, in terms of where we are right now, are you saying, OK, great entry point for certain people, for, your, for yourselves? Um, are you thinking this is going to, you know, some people look and think that 53,000 you know, 53, is, is, is some kind of uh, new threshold. So maybe, maybe it falls a little bit farther. There's others who think it's about to pop up again after Thanksgiving. Everyone's going to sit around their Thanksgiving table talking about Bitcoin again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Yasin Almandra, our, our crypto analyst, crypto lead, uh, has developed on-chain analytics with others in the industry, um, which are actually flashing more green right now than red. 
in terms of uh, a point. I can't tell you what we're doing on any particular day, but the on-chain analytics on balance, we go through them uh, quite often, but at least once a week, uh, they are, are flashing uh, more green than red. Uh, so, so that uh, I, would, I would be more bullish on balance right now than I would be bearish. And then Kathy, finally, I just wanted to ask you, you know, right now the divergence between the performance of your funds and just the indexes are, uh, you know, the, the, the delta is spreading uh, on the negative side. And I'm curious how that affects your thinking. Uh, I know you're still very optimistic, but uh, about the markets and, what, and what's going to happen to your funds over time. But does it change your abilities to buy and sell certain things? And, and do you worry or are you concerned that there are going to be investors who effectively are going to sell in these moments? My worry is more for them than for us. Uh, I, I get uh, very unsettled when I see uh, people selling at what I know are bargain basement prices. Uh, just to give you a sense of that, we do five-year uh, uh, forecasts for uh, EV to EBITDA, and we assume massive multiple compression from this moment on to five years out. So all of our stocks, or most of them, will have FANG-like multiples, which is a mature growth company. Um, uh, with that assumption, we uh, uh, at our peak in mid-February, uh, we were able to say that our portfolios would deliver, if our estimates are correct, uh, a 15% compound annual rate of return over the next five years, so double over the next five years. With this correction and with uh, some of the increased estimates uh, uh, we have um, we, we are now using uh, based on fundamentals, not at all on valuation. Uh, we we now see, you know, a quadrupling over the next five years in our portfolio. So that's a 33% compound annual rate of return. I have not seen it higher than this than one other time. And I, I believe it was the beginning of uh, 2019, right after the uh, 2018 meltdown in the fourth quarter. I think that number was 42% at a compound annual rate. So um, I, we're, our, our optimism and confidence has increased in here, not decreased. Well, Kathy Woods, I hope, uh, I hope you're right. And uh, we look forward to following your progress. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thanks so much. Next on Squawk Pod, we're calling up the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. Thanksgiving cooking tips straight from Butterball's Midwestern kitchen to yours or from Turkey TikTok. We've taken that to TikTok. About 83% of folks turn to social media for recipe inspiration. One of the Turkey Talkline experts with some advice of his own, right after this. Turkey waffle sandwich, anyone? People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older like a family vacation or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and on Squawk Box, it's the day of a long-honored tradition. We dial up the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. Last year, many of us were cooking Thanksgiving alone, or for a much smaller group of people. Now, I think we can all be grateful for a return of some normalcy, which may also mean the return of your traditional Turkey Day feast. Enter Butterball. They are talking turkey down in Downers Grove, Illinois, nonstop gobble-gabble. Since 1981, the world's largest poultry producer, Butterball. Phone's busy already this morning? Oh, it's very busy. The, every phone in the room is staffed by a home economist who's talking turkey as fast as she can. Has offered 24-hour. Hello, Butterball Turkey Talk. Why may we help you? Reassuring. Well, that's good. Oh, that's too bad. Unflappable help to consumers over the phone. So there's a little packet underneath the yellow netting, and that'll tell you exactly, you know, how long you need to cook it and how to prepare it. And even digitally. Alexa, open the Butterball skill. From a command center outside of Chicago. You can call, text, email, and tweet your questions on turkey thawing, temperature, frying versus roasting, too based or not too based, and you can get ideas for sides, even leftovers on social media. Turkey TikTok. Here's Becky. If you need a little help in the kitchen this holiday, Butterball has you covered. The Butterball Turkey Talk Line is making its 40th year of guiding home cooks through the trouble spots of Thanksgiving turkey prep. Bill Nolan is a Butterball Turkey Talk Line expert, and he joins us right now from the Talk Line headquarters in Illinois. And, and Bill, it's great to see you back in the office this year. Last year, you guys were all working from home, but this time you are back in the office taking these calls. Uh, how are things going so far? It's good to be with you again. Uh, you know, this year we are back in the office. We've got about three quarters of our staff that's working in the office. Some are still working at home. I know last year when I did the show, you were in my kitchen at home. This is our Butterball kitchen. So we're pleased and welcome here today. Uh, we've got some great items out here that I'll talk a little bit about, but uh, we're excited for Thanksgiving. You know, it's our busiest time of year. And I was thinking about this last night. You know, we get excited when it gets busy. Everybody loves their job. Uh, we all work on Thanksgiving Day. So we're ready to help any cook out there, whether you're experienced or uh, a novice. But one of the things that we've heard this year is just about shortages for, for just about everything, including turkeys. Has there been a shortage of turkeys this year? Are they harder to come by? Well, we haven't, ex we haven't experienced it here. You know, Butterball begins the planning process for the next year, 12 months ago, of course. So they forecast what the need is going to be, and they produce turkeys based on that. So we have gone ahead with our plan. I know locally here in the Chicago area, we were talking about it this morning, we see a, a lot of turkeys out there in the stores from smaller turkeys to larger turkeys and also some really good sale prices. So it remains a good uh, bargain for your dollar, uh, the turkeys, but we haven't, we're trying to get the turkeys out everywhere, of course, so everybody can enjoy a good Thanksgiving. Last year when, you talk, when we talked to you, there were a lot of people who were just doing turkey breast because they were having smaller dinner parties, maybe just the, their own family or own immediate family who was there. Um, my guess is this year you're getting more calls about cooking the full birds again and maybe bigger birds? We are, you know, and we like to promote, I think I might have said last year, bigger is better. You know, don't be afraid to go big. 
We have a lot of turkeys that are out there that are large. The great thing about large turkeys is if you don't eat it all on Thanksgiving, you have leftovers. And there's things you can do with leftovers, such as some of the items I have up here that we've developed in, in concert with our 40th anniversary. We've developed the Butterball Turkey Talk Line Taste Kitchen, and we've taken that to TikTok. And we have developed some new recipes. Yeah, believe it or not. And it's pretty cool because we've developed some new recipes with that. And uh, we've discovered through our research in the off-season that about 83% of folks turn to social media for recipe inspiration. So that could be Facebook, Twitter, which we already had a presence on those platforms, but now TikTok too. Did you hire more people to deal with the additional social media platforms? Or are you guys able to kind of take the same crew and mix it all up and send it out on all these different platforms? Yeah, we were able to have the same crew. You know, we just kind of added to the workload a little bit. And we have people um, that are designated for each different area. But it's really been a collaborative effort across because that's the great thing about the talk line. In our staff of 50 people, we have people that are professionals in all different aspects of food. I myself am a chef. We have people that are registered dietitians. We have people that are food stylists, culinary educators. So we cover the range. And so it really helps us when we go into the kitchen to develop new things and get out better products. We, we've got to run, but tell me what your best idea is for turkey leftovers. I think the most exciting thing right now is the turkey waffle sandwich. And I think a lot of people are partial to that. And that's down here. You take a waffle made of stuffing and you fill it with everything you see with you have leftover. There's some green beans, turkey in there. There's cranberries, sweet potato. And it's just a fantastic uh, everybody that's tried it loves it. So check out TikTok. That and see is a tease. There. And we will check it out. Bill, happy Thanksgiving. And thanks so much for being with us again this year. Happy Thanksgiving to you. See ya. Um, Andrew, have a great holiday. Have great a Thanksgiving. great happy Thanksgiving. And see I will you see you Friday. back here on Friday. Bye. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening and enjoy your holiday. Enjoy time with your families and friends. We're off for Thanksgiving tomorrow, but a fresh pod will be in your feed. So we'll still meet you right back here. Have a good day. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.